not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. And you're probably bored of me saying this, but Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mach. Yeah, but one week it might be some other different people here. It might well be. Probably be a big improvement. We're not going to make any inappropriate... um, It wasn't even a joke. It was kind of alluding to inappropriate jokes last time, because people don't like that, do they? No. Are we going to elaborate on that, or are we just going to leave people guessing what we're saying? Well, just... just Basically, we asked someone to share our podcast uh, and Everton-related webpage... And they decided they didn't want to do that because we mentioned Jimmy Savile and passing in the first 20 Not seconds. I just of the mentioned podcast. Jimmy Savile saying about Jimmy Savile jokes being inappropriate. We didn't make a Jimmy Savile joke. We, we said, said we weren't going to do Jimmy Savile jokes. So, yeah, so because we mentioned the name, apparently we're not suitable uh, for Everton sites. Anyway. Sites. Anyway. Anyway. Episode 30. 31. 31, sorry, I can't yeah. believe you just said that after you, you, you've just done the research into number 31. No, I've just done the research into number 30. Ah, oh, right. Because <laughs> it can't count. So, I was going to say I was going to list our ex-players that used to play at number 30, but I've done the research a week late. Okay. That would have helped out last week when we couldn't remember one. Um, but I, have, I do know who played 31 for us in the past. That's handy, isn't it? It is. Nothing to do with the screen in front of you. These are the options that we have. To name the episode after the player, we can go for Thomas Minor. Yeah, good one. Teddy Phelan. Oh. That's going to take some beating now, isn't it? Uh, Leon Osman. Leon Osman. Leon Osman. James Vaughan or Mark Hughes or Seamus Coleman. Well... And it's currently Matthew Kennedy who's just been recalled from Tramway. Well, I think it's got to be... I've got, I've got a, fe- I've got a feeling. It I've be- got a feeling. It's going to be the Teddy feeling episode. Yeah, we've lost that Teddy feeling, and we lost him about fifteen years ago, didn't we? Yeah, probably longer. Anyway, the Teddy feeling episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny about that? Nothing. Nothing's funny about it at all. No, sure, no one's really having a little, a slight little snigger to themselves about um, former equality player. Yeah, right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we've kind of kicked off a little Teddy Feeling's really tickled you hasn't he yeah I just know the, the song that um, I'm Teddy Feeling and tonight's gonna be that song pops into my head right. oh, you've lost that Teddy Feeling with the Righteous Brothers that pops into my head and, it yeah. does go into so many songs so well yeah tonight's the night anyway that's it you're singing live on the internet do you remember I've done it many times uh, so we've started off a little bit differently there, haven't we? Because normally we go straight into our recap of the weekend's game, and we've just started, we've done a few minutes of uh, imp- bollocks. impromptu um, semi-humour, <laughs> which wasn't really funny. We found um, we found that amusing. Yeah. So uh, what was less amusing was uh, the Chelsea game at the weekend. I see what you did there. Good stuff. I know. Brought me right down to earth, though. We're yeah. a big bump. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, though. Um, Again, it's a it's a bit like deja vu with the Tottenham game. This we played well. Yeah, uh, well, we got the team sheet, didn't we? And uh, we uh, much debate again the week leading up. And Traore got the nod to start up front. He did, yeah. He, play, he played well. I thought. Yes, yeah, did really well. Uh, 
So he, he lasted about 45 minutes on the team sheet and in the warm-up uh, managed to pull his hamstring. And um, Naismith got the nod. Yeah, after all the debate on the podcast last week and all the papers, you know, and all the evidence sites about who's going to start, Naismith or Traore, Traore gets the nod, but Naismith starts. Yeah, you couldn't have written, you couldn't have written that, could you? Bizarre. So we had our usual what people are dubbing the magnificent, magnificent, Magni- magnificent, <laughs> magnificent, uh, magnificent. Say that. No. It's magnificent. That. Magnificent seven. Um, our normal start on seven. Who is dubbing them the magnificent seven? I've seen a few people. I think one of our listeners, Dan, Dan Emson. I think he's called them. I've seen a few others, and we. You know, why don't we just call them it? Not so magnificent seven at the moment, yeah. possibly. I'll, I'll go with Magnificent Seven. Go on, if if you really want. What about the Seven Samurai? That's a bit more. That's a bit sexy, like. Got no swords. Got no True. samurai armor. True. Mustaches. No. No. Beards. No. No. Oh well. Okay. Magnificent Seven. So, do you want to name them? I think people will know who they are. Let's just go again. Howard, Coleman, Distan, Jags, Baines, McCarthy, Barry. And that's the Magnificent Seven. And then, so, the, the, other, the other places were up for gra- grabs, so to speak. You had Morales, who I'd call, like, uh, possibly that Magnificent Eight. He wasn't very magnificent the other day. No. Uh, Pina, Osman, and Snaysmith up top. Yep. So, you know, uh, against quite a strongish midfield on paper, strong line-up on paper. Uh, and he started all right. We did, yeah. I mean, you looked at the Chelsea lineup, and they went. Obviously, the, the the factor that you can never tell quite with them is who's going to play up front for them because they haven't really got a recognised, you know, striker who plays every single game. Uh, as Jose Mourinho has been caught saying this week. I know, yeah. Uh, we we have no strikers apparently. Draft himself right in the doo-doo. but they they started with Eto up front, uh, and then behind that they had Hazard, Oscar, and and William. Um, and then Matic, Lampard in the middle. So we also obviously knew that Lampard was going to score past us at some point, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Aspilicueta, Teddy, Kale, Ivanovic and, and Czech at the back. So, really strong Chelsea team. You know, I, I looked at the two teams and I thought probably our best chance in the game would be to, you know, let them come at us and try and catch them on the counter-attack. Um, and it really wasn't like that in the first half. No, we had a lot of play. I think you posted on our Facebook quite, uh, you know, about halfway through the first half. We had 80% possession at one point, like over over a five-minute spell. Yeah, it was five or ten-minute spell. Uh, Sky was saying that in the last, you know, we were just keeping the ball brilliantly, I thought. Um, we were attacking up both flanks, the right, the left. Um, the first couple of minutes was quite end-to-end, and it, it immediately looked like it was going to be quite an open game. And then we just took over the possession and, and pretty much dominated the first half, really. I think, I'm saying that, our only real uh, effort of any real, you know, merit was uh, a long-ranger from Osman, though, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he done well, Osman. I think did, did, that attack came down the, the left-hand side, I think, didn't he? Uh, before getting cut in, and, and then he's, he's had a shot, and, and it, it probably was destined to hit the bar, I think, or maybe go slightly over, but he's pulled off, he's made check. Pull off a decent save, and um, with a good effort. But you know, apart from that, I th- you know, Naismith was holding the ball up well. I thought, but again, the the age old problem over the last few weeks, we just didn't 
you just couldn't see where the goal was coming from, really. No, uh, been very critical. A few people have been very critical of Stephen Pina and also Morales. Morales looked bright, but it's, the ball just rolled. He just couldn't, didn't seem to get it, get it under control quick enough, or at all in some cases. Yeah, I. I don't know what it is with Morales at the moment. I, I posted it again on the Facebook saying that he can be so frustrating. And it always looks as if he only seems to have two ideas in his mind when he gets the ball. One is to turn round and run the other way and win a free, try and win a free kick, which he, he seems to do a lot. And the second one is just to put his head down and, and sort of cut inside and hope for the best. He doesn't ever seem to, to at the moment, to... to Produce an end product. At times, though, it seemed like the ball was coming to him, and he was trying to run with it before he even had it in, under control. You know, he's trying to dribble with the ball, and the ball still. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll agree it's with like that. His heels and stuff, and it's like he's, maybe he's just eager again. I don't know. Do, do, do you want to know what I what the feeling I got from this game, and I could be completely making the feeling. The Teddy feeling I got from the game was that Morales was trying to get one over on Eden Hazard. Like, Possibly. I know, they, I think they're quite matey, aren't they, from the Belgian yeah, yeah. setup? And Hazard's come out and said, you know, I sort of looked up to Kevin Morales. He was a few years older than me, played in a similar position, you know, and he, he gave me a lot of did, advice did when I was younger. Did they together at Lille? Did they wear both? I think so, yeah. They, they, they met at Lille, I think so. Um, but it just looked as if, you know, obviously all the, the media going into the game was Eden Hazard, you know, because of the, the brilliant form he's been in this season. So I think... Morales probably wanted to pull something a bit magical out the bag. If that does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I I, I get that. But he failed miserably. Yeah, I don't think he was out. I, I think Pinar again. I think there's a reason he's been criticised. It's just there were there were times he had the ball in the box, and a few years ago, Pinar would have picked out you know someone running into the box, dinked it over to someone at the far post. Uh, try to beat a man and get a shot off himself. What did he do? He just held the ball for about, I don't know, 10 seconds up and then waited for the defender and then just hit it at a defender. And He started doing this really strange thing, Pino, and I call it his stutter run. Yeah. Where he'll start to run and then he'll, he'll sort of go to stop and sort of check himself and then keep going. But all it does is just allow defenders to get back into position. Yeah, it's like he's, he's not really mastered the, uh, the art of the showboat. Have we? we talked a few weeks ago about him doing the, the no-lock pass after he's passed the ball. So it's not really a showboat, is it? It's just looking away once the ball's gone. And there's a few times where he'll do like a little, as you say, that stutter or a little step over when you don't really, it's not really needed. They were the negative sides in the first half. What I will say is going back to our magnificent seven. I thought all of them were absolutely brilliant in the first half. In particular, uh, the midfield axis of Bacardi and Barry just totally dominated the middle of the park. Well, I think I'll add Distan into that. I know he got a lot of praise uh, from the commentary team on BT Sport. I thought over the course of the game, I'm going to reveal my man of the match quite early, I agreed with the panel for once and Distan was my man of the match over the course of the game. At the, the end of the first half, I thought it was Barry by, Barry by a mile, uh, and then probably McCarthy second. Still think, you know, what we said last, uh, well, two weeks ago about Coleman, he's not looking like he's fully back. 
to himself yet. No, but I think there was encouraging signs in this game on both flanks. Yeah. Uh, I know we've criticised Morales and Pienaar a little bit there, but, um, you know, there was some. There did seem to be a little bit of interplay between both, on both flanks, between the winger and the fullback, which has been sadly missing recently. Do you think that's emphasised more? Uh, the flanks not producing as well um, by not having that top target up front. It's yeah, I think so, because there's nothing for them to put the ball into. I mean, you notice how much Pienaar and Morales are trying to cut inside, and even, to a lesser extent, Coleman and Baines trying to cut inside as well, because there isn't... You know, what's the point in hitting a byline and crossing a ball and, and there isn't anybody in the box? I think there is a knock-on effect, yeah, and I think it's... I don't think they've got... You know, we talked about him. He did play well the first half, Naismith. But I don't think they've got the confidence there to, as you say, to knock it in. Even for his runs, I don't think they've got that much confidence to give him a run down the channel. It's always into feet uh, and then lay off, pick it back up, and then trying to make the incisive play. And even now, he's probably our best player in the air at the moment. He's not a target man, is he? No, <laughs> it's funny that, isn't it? He's like. He's uh, he, he won a, a, quite a few headers against you know well the defensive ones really, um, but he didn't really have a, a chance up front. Not was played into the box. So that was the story of the first half, really. You know, good play from Everton, um, but the case of not being able to finish. And, and we went into half time, and I was fairly confident that we were going to take at least a point from the game. I thought Chelsea would come out. A lot stronger in the second half because some of their players in the first half were just missing, really. I mean, Oscar, you know, all right, Barry McCarthy were doing a great job breaking up play, but Oscar he, he was anonymous through the first half. Uh, and even the likes of, you know, Lampard, who's caused Everton problems on so many occasions over so many years, uh, didn't get a look in at all, did he, in the first half? Thought um, Hazard, yeah, Hazard, he just wasn't. He, he... He, he didn't make as much of an impact as he could, and he had to sort a lot of the ball. Etu saw some of the ball, but not really, not really that we thought. Oh my God, you know, we should have been one 0 down there or anything, was there? Not really, no. Um, so going into the, the second half, I think Chelsea made the change at half time. He took Oscar off and brought Ramirez on. Yeah, uh, and we stayed stayed the same at half time, uh, and then the second half, as we expected, really Chelsea came out looking. You know, a better side really, um, and started causing us a few problems right from the get-go. Yeah, I mean they they had a few a few decent chances. I think Ivanovic had a few uh, a few good a few few good efforts. Um, I can't I can't think of any of the other close range ones. It was did Lampard. Have probably Lampard is bound to have had a go. <laughs> Let's face it. Terry has a header. The main one that sticks out in my mind was the the double save from Howard. Yeah, and that was Ivanovic with the set, with the follow up, and it was a you know Howard got up well and made himself big, didn't he? Really, uh, well, it hit him in the chest, but you know it was a great save because he had to get back up after already making the initial save. So um, the, the the problem was though at this point was that you know Everton were not putting together movement and passing as they had done in the first half. Uh, and Martinez had obviously recognised that and decided to freshen up the midfield, make a few changes. Uh, his first change was he took Osman off, who was actually playing very well, I thought. I was surprised to see Osman go off when he did, because he was doing better than Morales and Pienaar at the time. Well, just before he went off, he had, to, he had that decent effort, didn't he, from just outside the box again. 
and uh, I think it took a nick off Morales and nearly wrong-footed check, and he made a little save down to his near post, pushed it round the post uh, for for a corner. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, shortly went off. Uh, shortly after that, went off for Barkley. And on came Everton's most technically gifted player in Ross Barkley. Yeah, I honestly think that was somebody wearing a Ross Barkley mask. I think it was me wearing a Ross Barkley mask. Well, what was wrong with him? I don't know. I don't want to be too down on him. Um, no, it was obviously a blip because to come on and you know play as badly as he did, you know he, he must have really just had an off day because he honestly he, he looked like he'd never played football in his life. He yeah. couldn't control the ball. He couldn't pass it a few yards. His head was down. He seemed to have no confidence. Um, it was just, you know, I don't know. It was just it wasn't weird for how bad he was when he come on. I'd say our second half, we, we didn't look as strong as we did in the first half. Um, and I, I wonder whether that was down to the substitutions again. Well, we said this the other week, didn't we? Every time we made a substitution, I think it was in the Spurs game, um, we got steadily weaker in our performance. And exactly the same seemed to happen to so, you. Dallas Bayou came on for 10 minutes after Osmond. Uh, uh, after, after Barkley came on for Morales. Uh, struggled say, to get into the game. Struggled. Little to no impact whatsoever. Yeah, struggled to get into the game. At the moment, he seems to be that yard off the pace. Uh, he doesn't, you know, before he got his injury, he was gliding past people we talked about, you know. There's very few players we've ever seen in our lives who could just glide past defenders and skip past defenders like he can. At the moment, he can't beat anyone. No, he really struggled. Uh, five minutes after, uh, McGeady came on, and I thought McGeady did okay. Yeah, out of the three substitutions, I thought McGeady looked the brightest out of the three. Um, McGeady came on for PR, was it? Yeah, yeah, but more in a tackling, kind of. You know, he made a few ta- uh, tracking back tackles. And, uh, yeah, he seemed interested, he seemed hungry for it. Yeah, uh, so that was in, in the 80th minute. What I just wanted to say to you, was just, just looking at our bench, uh, so Traore at uh, uh, Cryoff, and uh, so Naismith stepped up. Who replaced Naismith on the bench? Um, I can't remember now, was it was it Velios, was it all? No, it? I think, by the looks of it, just by the looks of the, the order, and... By just by rank, I think it was Garber. So Garber was the spare squad player who travelled really. That says a lot, doesn't it? It does. I, you know, we can't keep saying the same thing over above, over and over off Elias, but surely, I would surely. have thought that you know, if if you're looking at the team and you're thinking the Everton team and you're thinking you're Roberto Martinez, which player is the most likely to maybe get injured on the coach? In the hotel, in the warm up, you're gonna think it's Traore, so surely you'd have like a, a sub attacker, a yeah. sub sub attacker, maybe. Yeah, well, that wasn't the case, unfortunately. So, so the reason I asked that was just because you know you're looking, Nate Smith maybe maybe started to fade again. He he, start, he made a few defensive headers from corners, but they didn't really have. Any kind of input up top. Not to say he didn't play well in the first half, and you know, I don't want to knock him because he, he, again, he, he ran rounds and he, he gave us all. Um, but it'd be nice to have an option there, wouldn't it? Again. Well, it would, and hopefully, 
uh, you know, there's a good chance Lukaku could at least make the bench this weekend. So um, that's what we need. We need this, we need the Lukaku at the start of the season back, don't we? Yeah. So Chelsea also made a couple of changes. Willian got went off for uh, Torres, uh, so they went four four two, I suppose. Uh, but Etu probably dropped a little bit deeper, and then they undid that, and he took Etu off seven minutes later for Schürrle. I must admit, when Torres came on, he looked nearly as bad as Barkley. He did his best to win free kicks. Yeah. And did win free kicks. And he had a couple of strikes that hit the corner flag. Yeah. Uh, but I j- can you fathom what happened to that lad? Cut his hair off. It's simply that. Are you having it just as that? Same thing that happened to Pina. I mean, when he played for the shite, you know, he was dangerous, wasn't he? I mean, I used to hate him because he he did look so good for them. I don't think I've ever seen a lad decline as rapidly as he did. And he keeps threatening to come back and never does. He's still still getting probably 14 out of the teams of the Premier League. All right, well, say, in your opinion, if he played up front for us... And played a full season. How many goals in a season do you think he'd get? Because I think he'd struggle to get 12. I think maybe... Yeah, we'd have that at the moment, then, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would, actually, yeah. <laughs> we'd have that. We'd have someone who could put 10 in or 5 in at the moment. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think the main thing is the fact that he was so electric and he did score so many goals. So the comparisons are going to be with that Torres. He still scores goals. He just doesn't score as many. And he doesn't tear defences apart like he used to. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. By the end of the 90 minutes in the game, we were getting a point because it was still nil-nil. Yeah, and then the board went up. The board went up. And I think everybody, apart from uh, Mourinho, was thinking, oh, no, how? Basically. I was expecting probably three minutes because there have been, I think there been, there was one substitution at half-time. So there'd been five substitutions in total in the game. So, so that's be two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. I don't remember any stoppages as regards to players being down injured or, or any other incidents of note. So Not much time wasting or anything like that, but I mean, you know. Yeah, I can't remember anybody really doing any time wasting because I think both teams were both trying to get something out of the game. So Yeah. So I was expecting three. I wouldn't have been shocked at four minutes. I was expecting three, and the board went up five minutes. Five minutes is when you know when you've got like a bit of an epic game, three-three, loads of substitutions, and a few injuries. You know, and then you still only see five minutes. So nil-nil, no injuries, and a handful of substitutions, and it's five minutes. And you know, every week we every week we well every week we get beat, and we say we don't want to pick up on that kind of stuff. But you know. Got to point it out because you know it, it, it was a little bit of a funny one, wasn't it? Yeah, and then just our luck. Ninety third minute, um, Ramirez breaks from midfield. Jagielka steps out to to stop him. Sticks his leg out. Uh, Ramirez definitely makes the most of the leg being there, but that's part of the game, isn't it? The contact was there as he knocked the ball past. I watched that goal back, and he, he picked the uh, picked the ball up just just after the halfway line and just drifted past a player or two before he even got as far as Jags. 
and that that disappointed me to be honest. Yeah. Um, and the free kick was given uh, just to the left hand side of the goal as you're looking at it. Uh, about I don't know about twenty five yards out maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and it was a uh, squeaky bum time really. Um, yeah. Chelsea so- packed the box. We packed the box. Uh, and upstepped our nemesis, Mr. Lampard, to take the free kick. Puts a ball over towards the back post, and not not much height in it. Or it's quite whipped, whipped in. Really. Yeah, whipped in. It was more of a cross than than, than a shot. And I still can't, don't actually know what happened. No, well, it went in off Tim Howard. Do you know that the bookmakers are paying out on? It being a Teddy goal and it also being a Lampard goal? Well, on match of the day, they said there was four different options because Lampard's cross-come shot or um, was on target. So... If it's hit Howard and gone in? Then it's then it should be classed as Lampard's right. goal. Um, apparently, it took a little bit of a nick off Ivanovic on the way in. Ivanovic? Yes. Right. So, that was the other option. Terry ran away claiming it, like he just scored a, you know, well, he likes to celebrate and think, you know. He, like he'll, he cele- he'll celebrate anything, eh, won't he? Yeah, so he went, ran away uh, celebrating it, and of course it went in off Howard, so there are four options there. The, there was a slight argument that if Ivanovic touched it, then... Uh, Terry running in was offside. Right, okay. So, even if he didn't touch the ball on the way in, he's interfering because he's challenging with Howard for the ball. But that's just one argument for it. We're never going to get that, are we? No, never going to... Well, I mean, no, never. (laughs) Well, Um, we didn't, and and that was the winning goal, unfortunately, 93rd minute. Um, Just don't let Lampard, you know, just put put 10 men in the wall on top of each other. Just don't let them anywhere near the box hit the ball goalwards, you know, because he's just so dangerous. And, I mean, Howard just flapped at it, and he flapped because Terry was able to sliding in on him. And it was, obviously, cost us a point. And it actually spoiled a good performance for Tim Howard, I thought. He made some vital saves in the game uh, and was looking solid up until that point. Uh, and that's how the game finished. Obviously, there was only, you know, a minute left to play after the restart. Uh, and 1-0, and Chelsea were celebrating like they'd won the league. Well, I think, uh, I mean, what I got out of that, that goal going in, I thought they're going to win the league with goals like that. That's the type of performance that wins your league titles at the end of the day, isn't it? And, you know, we've seen it so many times from, like, the likes of Man United in the past. Grinding out results like that do win your league. Um, the coverage was on BT Sport. Uh, they threw straight over to their pundit for the day, who was Neil Warnock. And Neil Warnock went absolutely crazy saying how Everton had been robbed and it should never have been a free kick. Well, David James just smarmily smiled, saying it was a free kick all day. But he really hates us for some reason. You see, you see it in slow motion, and he's kidded the ref a bit. He's left his leg dangling. Jags kind of backed out a little bit. Did he say Jags left his leg in? I don't think Jags left. His there leg was in. some contact there, there but contact. he did make the most of it. And that's you know that's, in that's the Spurs way is. of winning penalties. Contact. Yeah. You leave your leg dangling because you've knocked the ball too far away. And that's what he's done. And I mean, Jags isn't that type of player. I mean, it, it goes to show that's his first yellow card this season. Yeah. I, 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 even if it was a foul, is it a yellow? 
I didn't think it was in Buchan anyway, so, you know, I mean, you know, for the centre-half, that's unbelievable, isn't it, to pick up your first yeah. Buchan at this point in the season. So, as you said about, um, you said about, you know, you already gave your man of the match, and I agree with, yeah, and like, you know. I thought this stand was solid all game, I thought he was brilliant. There was times where, you know, he was caught one-on-one with people and he, he was... Just Boston. Just, he did, yeah. Um, and you'd have a look at the, the quality of their attacking players, you know, players who were good enough to get in any team in Europe, really, and this Dan just looked solid all game. Thought he was brilliant. Uh, Jags played all right up until then as well and even managed to pull out what can only be described as a scorpion kick. He did do a scorpion kick in the first half, which, at the point of seeing that, I thought... That's the end of football for me because once you've seen Jack Elka do a scorpion kick, it, you know there's nothing left to see in the world. I that's know, it. I mean, that's, he really pulled that one out, didn't he? <laughs> I must admit, watching it, I sat there and I just laughed and I laughed at the screen for a good thirty seconds. I would say, chuckling to myself. Uh, so that was that, that was probably our bright point in, uh, after ninety minutes, ninety five minutes. If that doesn't make Soccer AM showboats this week, then I tell you what, that program is definitely finished. Right, it seemed. I don't know if we should talk. I mean, we should talk about this in the news, or whether we should talk about this now, because uh, Roberto came out after the game and said we didn't get what we deserved. We deserved a point and a win. Well, or you know, a, a, sorry, a win or at least a point. I don't think we did enough to get a win. And obviously, well, obviously we didn't. But I don't even think. We I thought on make the, that argument. I thought on a balance of play. I thought we were much the better side in the first half, and they were much the better side in the second half. If you looked at chances, they had the better of the chances. Um, I thought the way we defended probably earned us the right to take a point away. Especially away at the at top of the league. Yeah, I don't agree. And and you know. Let's face it, I don't think Jose Mourinho has never lost at home in the Premier League, has he? He's no, lost he's in European he's... games. Yeah. You know, and even that, the last one of them was three years ago or something. So we went to Stamford Bridge and did, for, for 92 or 93 minutes, we did as well as anyone have done with Jose Mourinho in charge of Chelsea in the league. So, uh, you know, I thought we deserved the point. We didn't create enough to probably say that we deserve to win. A lot of people have kind of jumped on this though and said that's not good enough though. Deserving a point isn't good isn't good enough. And and it seems to be the I'm to be, sure all them people would have taken a point if it had been offered to them away at Chelsea before the start of the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't get a point. That's the you know, and they're saying deserving a point isn't good enough. We need to start winning games. We need to start stop scoring goals. Yeah, and there was a, a, quite a little bit of negative, like uh, fallout from this, with uh, like Everton fans um, getting on, getting on the team's back, so to speak. Um, People got to be realistic. They got to remember it's Chelsea away. Yeah, but for those, you know, ninety. We always get beat there. Ninety-three minutes, we were drawing, and we didn't do enough really to. Warrant. Chelsea away. We always get beat there. Well, for we, 90- don't. we don't. We, we don't. We've, we haven't won there for twenty years, but we don't always get beat there. Well, all right. If you want to nitpick, okay. All right. It's Chelsea away. We never win there. And for ninety-three minutes, you know, we came as close to winning there as we have done in a very long time. So, you know, it was a good performance. Yeah, but it's, it, it, is it enough? A good performance is enough when we're trying to push on. 
Well, it's a good. It's good enough for the you know the evolution of the team, isn't it? I don't like using phrases like that because it sounds very woolly and very sort of you know like a big load of rubbish. But it is. It shows that as a team, you know, we can compete still with the big teams. Was it a little? We did get beat. We got beat one 0 in the ninety-third minute. We've been doing that for years, though, haven't we? We've been com- competing. And Not we- at their grounds. We haven't. We no, we still competed, but we just haven't taken points, and that's that's what we did this time. So it's just that I think for a few people, it was a little bit too reminiscent of what's happened. You know, we've gone and competed there, but ultimately ended up for, with nothing. For any of those people who were criticising that performance uh, and saying, you know, it's not good enough. Just remember, Man United away this year and Arsenal away this year. You know, throwing Chelsea away, it's been three good away performances at the three probably toughest away games. I'm not going to mention the derby, but you know, I think that's that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of thing. You had the derby, you had Tottenham, and now you've got this. Well, Tottenham, we played well. We just but got we, beat but, there. But so, so, so there were a lot of teams. That, that, we got beat. That's the thing. So it, it, we've gone, we've gone, we went so far in the season where we'd only lost to Sunderland, and then we've gone. It's, it's kind of we've reverted back to this kind of not getting anything from the big teams again, and that's that's a little bit worrying as when we're meant to be pushing on, and we, we didn't really have, we didn't really look like taking, you know, winning, did we? On the upside, the next sort of five or six fixtures are all very winnable. They are on paper, yeah. I just hope we can put some performances together. Uh, I, I, sorry, and build on those performances and get some bloody goals. Put some results together. Yeah. Performances is okay. Results we need to. Uh, we didn't play well up. against Villa and we won. What would you rather have ultimately for this season? Just would you rather we as play, many points as possible? Would you play, You know, would you rather have us play the Martinez way and have this great football and keep losing, or just? Keep win every game and play crap for the rest of the season. For the rest of the season, I'd rather we play crap and got points. Well, for the first half of the season, we were playing a Martinez way and get results. So, I'd but take you've that. got to kind of yeah, you've got to kind of write some of it off, haven't you? And just kind of scrape out some victories at the moment, and that's that's desperately what we need to do. I think we didn't realise probably what Lukaku was given to us until we lost him. Because we were criticising Lukaku, you know, saying he wasn't scoring, he wasn't playing well. But I just think even his presence on the pitch and the fact that the attention he gets from opposing teams gives us something. Yeah, I go with that. Um, it's a shame we haven't got someone else who can offer that. Again, not to knock Stevie Naismith, who's trying his hardest and, you know, scoring here and there. Uh, but it's not that spearhead and it, it, it doesn't give your team that, uh, that point of attack. You know, and it's it, it just changes your way, change, changes the way you play completely, and it's you know it's, it's noticeable. But what we knew, do need to do now, as well as a lot like the Villa game after the derby, uh, we need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and get a result of Goodison next weekend uh, against West Ham. Uh, the preview of the West Ham game will be the end of the podcast. Yeah, and coming up next, we've got a little bit of uh, a little bit happy, a little, something a little bit happier. With uh, some uh, general news and some good news in there. Last time you said that the news was a little bit happier, it was dead depressing. Have we well, got some happy news this week? Yeah, we definitely have. What is it? Well, you'll see that. In right, a okay. News! 
Take two. Because Mark's just been humming away to the news theme when we tried to record it before. Johnny caught me on a Wednesday and I was just checking my phone, just having a little look at texts. Um, and uh, I was humming our little news theme and, and we were recording. Yeah, I should have just left it in really, shouldn't I? Um, as I just said, uh, we had a, got a little bit of exciting news to start off with. And I, I'm going to um, set, set you up here so you can knock this one out the park. Because I believe uh, we, we would, well, we or you, with the very, very first to report this? Well, I'm thinking we were. Uh, looking at, you know, when the, the story broke the other day, um, looking around all the evidence sites, I didn't see anything on it at all. Uh, I got a text message from somebody who works at the club, basically, uh, saying that earlier today, uh, Duncan Ferguson had been promoted from working with the under-18s to becoming head of first-team coaching. Um, so I put it out there on our web page, um, and suddenly within about an hour, it was everywhere. It was everyone was saying, it was asking on Twitter, on you know various different pages. Have you heard this rumour about Duncan Ferguson? Um, and about probably about four hours later, it was it was confirmed by Evan. Yeah. So. Uh there's been some news come out since uh, uh, Roberto has been saying that how how good a coach uh, and how good a job Duncan's been doing, and you know he, obviously his passion for the club is you know undeniable. Uh, I think it's just it's a great story, isn't it? Because when, when we when when the, the manager's job was up there and everyone was like ah oh, Duncan, but we didn't know whether he could actually do coaching or you know we well we've got to take this back, haven't we? Pretty much to, to last summer, really, because when Moyes left the club and, you know, there was a number of names in the running for the job and, and Martinez had been talked about for a long time, but it, it, was seen, it was getting dragged out a little bit. We didn't know whether that was going to be the option or, or not. Um, I think my feet were firmly in the camp of Duncan Ferguson and Kevin Sheedy as a partnership. Yeah. You know, I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. It was probably more a heart decision than a head decision. Uh, but, you know, we spoke to Kevin Sheedy a number of times over the summer and he was saying, you know, that he was behind Duncan for the job, thought Duncan could do the job and he'd be happy to be a number two to, to, to Ferguson. Um, and, you know, this looks like this could possibly be the first stage on, on the road that could ultimately lead to that. Yeah, so I know you, uh, I mean, a few people have said about if Roberto leaves, then Dunk could be first in line. And it, I mean, it, it was, uh, I don't know whether that, that might be a bit, uh, a bit too, too much to say at the moment. But, you know, it's definitely making, it's a, it, that is a jump up from the under 18s. To oh, it's a massive jump. He hasn't gone to the under twenty ones and and the reserve. Well, I mean, it, it, well, the under twenty ones is technically the reserves now. So he, he's bypassed a whole age group. He's then come in to the coaching setup, and as far as I can work out, you know, he's not the striking coach. He's not, you know, a fitness coach. He is head of coaching. So that really, in the hierarchy of things, makes him probably. Roberto's number two after Graham Jones, obviously his assistant manager, and yeah. then I would have thought that's then Duncan Ferguson's the, the the next highest person. Well, it's a bold move. 
and I'm hoping we see the benefits. He started, we're recording, on, we're recording a day early this week, we're recording on Tuesday. Uh, and so he started in, in his official role on Monday. He started the job yesterday. I've not been able to confirm yet whether he got sent for a, a glass hammer or a, a long stand, uh, as we asked the question on Facebook whether that might happen. I don't think so. I don't think he did. I, I don't think uh, Martinez probably would have uh, fancied his chances there. What I will say on this, though, is um, I was re- somebody posted on our Facebook the other day, uh, and I think I put it out there that, you know, or somebody put on, on, on the page that Duncan at least will give, you know, a bit of authority in the dressing room. Because I think a lot of people's views is that Martinez hasn't really got that about him. And then a lad came on and posted and said, "I used to, he used to be a youth team player at Wigan, and he's actually been in the first team dressing room with Martinez. And he said, anyone who believes that Martinez hasn't got a ruthless streak and doesn't go crazy at players is completely mistaken. Apparently, he's a right nutter sometimes. Well, I think you can see that he's got a ruthless streak just in the very fact that we haven't seen, again, going back to him, the fact that you haven't seen Velios, the fact that you haven't seen Tony Hibbert really have a sniff. I think he's just... Where is... Yeah, but Hibbert's obviously because of the former Coleman, isn't he? Coleman was injured for... You know, when he didn't get a sniff then. Really. So you think, in some way, Martinez has got a downer on Hibbert? Because well, why has he offered him a contract? I think he he just sees him as for, for what he is. He's well, he just sees him as complete backup to backup to the squad, backup to the first team. And uh, I think he, I think any possibly other manager, or who many manager who didn't have that kind of edge, I think he, he must have uh, thrown Velios in, with just through sheer lack of numbers. And I think. For whatever reason, he stuck to his guns, and I think that might be that edginess. I think, you know, I don't know. So it was a great piece of news for for Evertonians everywhere. Really, I mean, you know, there's not many ex players anywhere near the sort of the level of Duncan Ferguson for his his, his love from the fans, is there? No, I think uh, Tim Cahill coming back, that'll be a good one, wouldn't well, it? Well, on that note, you know, if this is the, the the sign of things to come, basically, in the future, if we are starting, I don't want to say a boot room, because that's a very cop thing to say, isn't it? But if we are starting some sort of legacy through the club, probably similar to what, you know, Moyes has gone over to Man United, and he's, brought, he's got gigs and he's got Neville, you know, he's, got, he's brought people on board who hopefully are going to be future coaches or future managers possibly at the club I'd like to see Everton do something very similar start with Duncan Ferguson I'd love to see Tim Cahill be brought back once he's, uh, his playing career is finished and then a little bit further down the line Tony Ibbett and Leon Osman what, what do you think about players like who, who've come and gone and left, have been part of the coaching staff before like people like who, who are you know uh, just integral part of the Everton setup, like Dave Watson well on this note this is something that we've I've not put out on the website. We're saving this for the podcast. The night I got the information about Ferguson getting a job, there was a second part to this message. And the message was that Alan Stubbs is really not happy about the whole thing. What, what, right. Because he's been overlooked. As the under-21 manager, yeah. he was next in line for the progression. So he's so apparently he's, So Dunk Ferguson's leapfrogged him. Stubbsy apparently is not best pleased to say the least. So I don't know whether there's, you know, problems. 
brewing internally there or whether it's just a case of he's going to have to take it on the chin and realise you know it's a bit of a special case with Duncan Ferguson because he's Duncan Ferguson well if he's doing it, it, it sounds like he's got it on merit though rather than just well the under 18s are flying aren't they they're, they're, they're playing really well they're doing well you know producing players I mean what more can you ask yeah okay so that's a good bit of news to start off not going to bring you down just just before we change subject, what, what do you think it will bring to us this season, if anything? Do you think it might be a bit of a distraction on the bench? Because we're playing West Ham next weekend and surely Duncan Ferguson's going to be sat on the bench. Do you think maybe the crowd might get a little bit fixated on, on, on Duncan? or No. You don't? Do you think it'll just be a, no, a natural I think progression? I think, obviously, Graham Jones is uh, the next... Next in, in your eye line, kind of thing after Martinez, you know, barking instructions. I think don't. I think if he's part of that, I think if he, having him around on match days, would you want to cross him? No, you wouldn't. So I think any players who have any kind of doubts about giving it hundred percent might end up uh, thinking twice about it. And uh, you know, I, I think it can only it can only benefit. Could it backfire on Martinez, though, if there's a couple of bad results? Is he instantly then under pressure from people in the stands shouting, No. Let's get Ferguson in? No. Are you sure? So. There are people who do tend to do that sort of thing, yeah, knee-jerk reactions. Could be anyone, though. It could be anyone. Well, I don't think there's many Evertonians who'd be shouting, get Graham Jones in. No, no, you're right, yeah. So. Yeah, anyway. Good news, anyway. Yeah, good bit of news. I think it's a great idea by Martinez, great idea by the club. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a no lose situation really because you that's know, a bit of a downer the last few weeks. I mean, yeah, it's just I think the timing's great. You know, and I'm I'm made up for Duncan Ferguson. Um, we've had the fortune of meeting him a couple of times, haven't we? Once when we were about what thirteen, yeah, or fourteen when old, he was on loan from Rangers, the old Belfield days, yeah, uh, and then once about two years ago at a dinner, yeah. So, nice fella. Uh, yeah, okay. Second for the news. <laughs> Is this one depressing? Um, well, I don't know. You, from your reaction to him last week, uh, I think you'd be quite happy to hear this, that uh, Traore is uh, going to be out for a few weeks. I'm not happy to hear that he's injured. No. You know, I wasn't overly impressed with his debut. However, um I was thinking the things could only get better, in the words of the great D-Ream. Um, little did I know that they would actually get worse, because he wouldn't even make it onto the field. Yeah, well, Roberto's come out and said it, it, it does look like, a, like quite quite a serious injury, but it's going to be weeks that he's going to be out rather than months. And how many, you know, if we're talking weeks, how many weeks? Five weeks, six weeks? And There's only ten weeks of the season left. So you, you might have him for a few games at the end of running, you know, at, 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 at the title running. Uh, not that we're in the title running. <laughs> you know. I think he's probably going to go down in the annals of history as, you know, one of our least successful signings, shall I say. Uh, possibly, yeah. Another bit of news is something that you've been telling me about more than I haven't really. Well, I've not really noticed. There's something about the uh, some news about the ground, uh, the, the rumours that have been going around the last few weeks. You've got some news about that. Yeah, we mentioned last week that there was a few rumours knocking about, but we couldn't really clarify anything on the subject of, you know, a new ground. As the the subjects come back from somewhere, 
Uh, this week, um, Sir Terry Leahy has come out and said that he's been asked by the club to, to head up a, a project, basically, to look into the viability of a new ground, to find a location uh, and to see how the financing of that would work. The fact that they picked um, Terry Leahy looks like they are very serious about it because, he, basically, he is the man who spearheaded Tesco's and their domination of the, the, the retail market in this country a few years ago. He's been knighted due to his, uh, his, his business acumen, shall we say. So he, he's quite a, a well-known, high-profile figure in the, in the business world, and he's a massive Evertonian. I think he was the, he was the, the force behind the whole Everton Tesco's Kirby um, thing a few years ago. So he's been looking into, into various sites at the minute. The, the two main ones that seem to be getting talked about is, I think the one that most people are hoping might be the viable option is Walton Hall Park. Yeah. It's one of the options. Well, it's... Keeps the club in Walton, you yeah. know, a bit further down the road. Again, you might have the same problems as Goodison in the way that the only real access is coming off the East Lanks or down Queen's Drive. Traffic-wise, it might not be great. There's no real train stations nearby. Uh, nearest one's probably Rice Lane, I would have thought. So it's probably not the greatest of options, so we say. Um, and I don't know how it would stand for acquiring the land. The other option being talked about is up on Edge Lane, with the, the regeneration of Edge Lane. Uh, just at the bottom of the the motorway, the 62. Uh, as you come into the city, basically the gateway to the city, as it's being called, that would move the club, you know, a fair distance uh, and take us from being like a, a North Liverpool club to, you know, more of a, a city centre, even bordering on South Liverpool club. Um, I so don't know how I feel about that. It would be a nightmare for getting to the game for us. <laughs> it would probably be easier, to be honest. Well, yeah, true. Um just to basically go over facts that have been, you know, common knowledge for years and years and years, even when they did the, the whole ground, the King's Dock campaign, there are no real substantial options to build onto Goodson. So I've seen a few people say, if you knock the school down, do this, do that, then you can build, a, build on the stands. There's plans knocking about, isn't there, for you know, the regeneration of the park end again, putting another put tier another, on it. Yeah, putting another tier. I think, I think that would be the only real option. And what are you going to add? Maybe 2,000, because you're going to lose after, you know, unless you go into like a, you know, a, ten, a 10 tier <laughs> stand. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it's viable. I think... Goodison became probably, you know, past its renewable date 25 years ago. I think just the materials it's built out of, the design of the stands, I think it's just, that is not a starter for me, really. If you want to really compete, you want to have a ground that's up to spec uh, and is as good as anything else in the league, then, you know, you're going to have to look at building something right from the, the foundations upwards. Yeah, which uh, I don't know. I mean, that, it, it it comes with a whole new uh, new debate, doesn't it? Really. Um, but at the moment, it's just being t- it's being looked into whether it's a viable option. So there's no firm plans on the ground. There's no planning permission. There's no land acquisition. So uh, we'll just keep uh, an eye on that and monitor it as it as it evolves. Obviously, the last few weeks uh, we've been talking about news and there's not as many transfer rumours going around with the window shutting 
So a few bits of more snippets of uh, news stroke player kind of reactions. Um, one of them was, first of all, uh, Leighton Baines came out and said that we really need to start scoring goals. And I say no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wonderful insight there, Leighton. Um, the second little bit, of, uh, though, from Bainesy was uh, we need to lay off Barkley a bit and not expect too much from him. And it, it's easy to say that, but it's so difficult, isn't it, to knowing the talent that he, he, he has and that he is when he puts, puts in performances like he did on, on Saturday. That's the world we live in these days, isn't it? Everybody wants a quick fix. Everyone, as soon as a player burst on the scene, the media will build them up so much that they're the next great big thing that they've then got to live up to that. It's funny though, isn't it? Because you know you can go over the top and you can give him all this super amazing praise and say he's the best player in the world, but one little bit of criticism over a bad performance and then you're the world's worst and it's like, oh, get off his back. And you've no, got to take the rough with the smooth, haven't that, you? That is true. You're not saying, you're not saying like, stuff like the cop I'd say and they say, you know, I hope he's found like dead in a gutter somewhere or stuff like that. You're just saying it was a poor performance. And we both sat here and we both criticised Barkley for his performance against Chelsea and, you know, I think that's a justified criticism. Do I think he'll be that bad again next weekend? Of course I don't. I still think he is our mo- easily our most technically gifted player by a mile. Yeah, and he's one of the brightest prospects in English football. Um, I think he is. I think he is the brightest pro- prospect in, in English football. But, but in saying that, you know, you, you know, your expectations are so high that you, you're bound to. I don't not meet them sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think I'll ever see him play as badly as he did the other day when he no, came I on. Don't see, I don't think anyone. Will he was just that. having. He was just having a bad day. Yeah. Okay. So, as, as I say, I mean, it's snippets more of a, of of a, of. A story I saw yesterday was that we're being linked with Jack Colbeck from Sunderland. Oh, I saw pick, that. Picking up on a free transfer at the end of the season. Apparently, he's out of contract. Seen that for the past week or two, actually. Yeah, and United are after him, after him too. Man United are in for him, are they? Apparently so. Right. Okay. I mean, he, he's always struck me as being a you know a decent young player. Um, never really. Really grab me attention. He scored the odd decent goal, hasn't he? So, I mean, if Martinez has seen something in him and he's a free transfer, he can give us another option in midfield. Why not? Final bit of news that I've got today is uh, I just want to say congratulations on making your Everton Football Club debut as part of their season ticket campaign. Well, it's not really my debut because I have played at Goodison before, we all know that, but I've made my first advertising debut. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if, uh, I think, did we talked about it last week, didn't we, the, the new campaign for the season tickets yeah. and uh, the whole um, We Go The Game. We are Evertonians, or We Go The Game. Well, the club have released a two-minute long uh, video package, which is actually very well done, isn't it? It's a, it's a great. You're only saying that now. You said last week it was rubbish. Off no, I hadn't seen the video at that point. I'd only seen some airbrush stills of Ross Barkley. Yeah, and they look very serious, and there's loads of build-up to the to the game. There's loads of Everton legends in it, like Graham Sharp, and I can't think of any others. And it's got a really sort of like dramatic version of Zed Cars that sounds a bit like the crime watch the YouTube. Oh, well you didn't bring your violin today. We can't oh. do our version of Grand Old Team. Oh well, what a shame. Never mind. Um, Damn. Anyway, we're not talking about Grand Old Team. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, so, great video. And uh, when it gets to the, the, the really important part, the main part of the, the video, 
uh, and the tagline comes on. We are Evertonian. We go with the games. There's this really handsome fella giving it the big one in the Gladys Street with his arms aloft right under the tagline. And you stood next to him. And I'm stood next to him, yeah, <laughs> with my arms aloft. I'm in there somewhere, I, I, I was it's actually, just my hat and hood. I was very shocked to see myself, I must admit. Well, you went through frame by frame trying to find yourself. It's the main part of the video. I'm having it, I'm taking it, and you can't take that away from me. It must be a slow week in news, if that's me. <laughs> anyway, you, before, we go to, uh, before we go to our social media section and we play our, little, our links, have you got any, anything you'd like to add, any news? Are you just having a, a, a go at me here, are you, for bringing things up? I'm just a bit OCD about it all, that, that's the problem. Uh, my OCD's getting to be a really bad bad thing, you know. Go on. My missus is leaving me because of it. Go on. I told her to close the door five times on the way out. <laughs> right, it's okay. I'm going to wash, wash my hands 17 times of you if you don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry if we caused any offence by that. Um, and we're going to be back in a sec. Do you think we've got many OCD listeners? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't like to speculate. Hey, they'll be, it'd be good if we have, because we'll get 26 listens on SoundCloud. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, speaking of SoundCloud, just before we go to um, uh, before we go to the social media section, a bit newsworthy. Our review we got this week was great, wasn't it? We did get a qu- yeah, we did get a quality review on on SoundCloud. Uh, basically, the review consisted of two words. Which was shite wolves. Yeah. About sums us up, really. Well, we're both from Bootle. Whether we're shite or not, you know, that's up for debate. But wolves. Yeah, well, I, I said I was happy with shite. I'll take shite all day, but wolves did upset me because we both grew up within, what, two miles of Goodison? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I used to live, up until about six months ago, for the last ten years, I lived in a house that you could see Goodison from the window. Yeah, so it's funny. Funny that one, isn't it? There you go. Anyway, back in a sec. Check out our links, and if you haven't already, uh, follow the instructions right on there. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. So this is our social media section, which isn't new anymore. Definitely not new now. No. Definitely so not new. We've been putting a few questions out each week on our Facebook and Twitter uh, accounts, which you've just heard the links for. And the first question of this week was? The first question was the one you told me off for, for saying it was too long a question to fit on Twitter. Well, what one was it? Uh, the question was uh, that, um, obviously after the news about Duncan Ferguson this week, uh, are the club right to be looking to promote from within if Roberto was to leave? Should someone like Duncan be waiting in the wings or should the club always look to get the best option externally if a vacancy arrives? So why did I sell it off? Because it was too long and then it just goes straight to Facebook and we don't get any Twitter answers. Yeah, which is exactly what happens. You have to do it in under 140 characters. Otherwise, it just sends a link. Hang on, hang on. Who's OCD now, eh? <laughs> Twitter, apparently. <laughs> right, okay. So we've got a few answers on Facebook anyway. Um, the first one was uh, one of our usual cons- contributors, I was going to say then. Is that the right word? Contributors. Contributors is oh, the correct word. Contribu- yeah. uh, and it's Paul Cronin, our mate. And Paul said, 
Why can't they look at both options and then decide? Well, they can, Paul, but that wasn't really the question, was it? still quite sensible for Paul. That is sensible for Paul, but I was just throwing it out there. What do you think would be the better option? No. Let's just ignore the question and say, let's look at the whole thing, which is probably what will happen. Uh, Well, the same thing. Uh, Colin Eve said it's to be the best applicant at that time. True. Um, Spencer Carl got into it a little bit and said... Sentimental value, yes. So obviously for Duncan. Reality, probably not. Carl Rowland's pretty much the same. Uh, no, Car- uh, Everton are a club that needs an experienced manager. Let's not get romantic about Duncan. Nobody's saying whining and dining. Uh, think, you know. No. And definitely not the next part of that phrase. Um, <laughs> Stephen Davis, head's got a real heart. If someone good enough for the job, then there's nothing better than promoting from within. But if there's someone from the outside that's better and fits well into the ethos of the club, then not a problem. From my point of view, though, if you've got somebody internally within who's never managed the club, how do you know if he's better than the external applicants? Well, I think... At some point, he's got to be given a chance somewhere. He applied for the position in the summer. Who knows how close he was. The fact that he's grown in stature and coaching ability, apparently... Like astronomically, by the fact that he's been promoted from the under, uh, was he assistant at the under 18s or was he manager? And sure, was she the manager? They were joint, they were joint, joint yeah, assistant. So, so he's been, you know, promoted to up, up to first team duty. Is the fact that you know if, if the position does come up again and he does put an application in, then he's got to be in a good position, hasn't he? So hypothetically, right? Say if I don't know. Say if Martinez was to get a Barcelona job in the summer and we needed another new manager. This is all hypothetical. Don't start jumping on me and sending me Facebook messages. I'm just doing a what if. So we needed a new manager in the summer. And let's have a look at managers around the Premiership that have done all right this season, for instance. Let's say, all right, Michael Lardrup's out of a job. So let's say Michael Lardrup was in the frame for the Everton job. Um, Somebody along the lines of, I don't know, it's difficult to think of one at the moment, isn't it? From one of the smaller clubs, like or one of the bottom half. All right, Gus Poyet, say, who's done well at Sunderland, right? And and then Duncan Ferguson was the third name. Would he be the best candidate for the job, even though they've both... He'd be the favourite. Would he be the best applicant? How do we know? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, Stephen Davies, uh, head's got a real heart. That's the one, I've, I've read that oh, one. Got that Just one on that one. Uh, Michael Kevin Morales. It's funny that his name's that, isn't it? He, he's done well there to be to get that name when he was christened. Yeah. Um, I've seen very few people promoted from in, within ever make it work in the Premier League. There are rare exceptions, of course. Well, just before we go into that other bit, what about Tim Sherwood? He's doing all right. He's doing better than AVB was. He's, yeah, he's doing. Yeah, I'll have that. He's doing he's okay. He's pushed yeah. them up. You know, he, he, he leapfrogged us. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll have that. Uh, Barcelona have done it. You know, Neil Lennon did it at, uh, at Celtic. Um, the only way to prove yourself is doing it somewhere else. So, would Duncan Ferguson have to go away in a lesser position to then come back? In a lesser job to then come back? So, for instance, maybe Duncan Ferguson becomes maybe Rangers manager? Yeah, possibly, yeah. You yeah. never know, do you? Or Wigan. <laughs> I can't see him becoming Wigan manager, can you? Um, Matthew Bickery would like to think Roberto wouldn't be leaving for a long, long time, as we all would. 
Um, if he did leave, we would all love Dunk, yes, but would he have the know-how and the ability to attract top players? Um, so, a few others. Uh, Luke Griffiths, nobody outside uh, Nobody outside Finch Farms uh, knows how good or bad Big Dunk is. But the fact that, it, that again, back to... That, He's that, obviously that, well thought of. That promotion. Um, I, I know I trust Bobby Martinez to do the right thing for Everton, plus it's a bonus. It's Dunk, you can do no wrong. Uh, Richard Roberts, Dunk would be everyone's first choice. I'm not sure about that, but I think he'd be a lot of people's first choice. Promoting from within is only viable if the candidate is up to the job. Stubbs, for example, isn't, in my opinion. Well, That's what uh, Richard Roberts has said, and I think that's what probably has been thought of internally in the club, hence think, the current situation. Do you think he's, he's a little bit... Uh, too, do you think he might be too jaded? Because we heard some rumours about him be, uh, in the summer, didn't we, about uh, he wasn't too happy about a few things. And he, he said about, um, he, he, there was something leaked about Baines, wasn't it? You know, Baines wanting to leave. And maybe he, I mean, he kind of goes off when he shouldn't. Maybe he probably needs to go and have a little quiet word with himself in a corner and realise that if he's getting jaded of things, that might be what's preventing him from, you know, progressing. Yeah. Because you shouldn't be getting jaded no matter no matter what position you work for at Everton Football Club. It should be your dream job. So Dan, Emerson in the States, as with any uh, walk in life, you get the best man for the job, wherever that may be. You can't let sentiment cloud your judgement. How I not? <laughs> yeah, we like a bit of sentiment here on the podcast. Uh, and the last one, Jim Reason. Spoken with reason. It's spoken with a lot of reason. Uh, I'm hoping that Martinez isn't leaving any time soon. Come on, no jinx questions, please. Yeah, don't be jinxing us. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, is my next question going to jinx us signing Lukaku then? I don't know whether it would be a jinx, I don't know, at the moment. This is the debate, isn't it? Surprisingly, we got probably ten times more comments on this question than we did on the Duncan Ferguson question, which surprised me, really. Be succinct with your questions. I don't even know what succinct means. It means when you, you, you spill your drink in the sink and you try and stuff it back up. Right, okay. I don't know if that's got to do with this question, but question two was, uh, should we break the bank to sign Lukaku permanently this summer or look elsewhere for a striker? Well, I've got a few Twitter replies on this one. Uh, Everton Gale, at South Everton, uh, look elsewhere as he wants Champions League football. So a few weeks ago, that would still be us within a shout, wouldn't it? Well, it would, yeah. Um, oh, no, I've just lost all my comments. Hang on. Give me a sec. Read another Twitter one out. Another Twitter one. Uh, Burns, dog... At Scouser underscore Burnsy. Uh, the bank's already broke, I think. Right, okay. Uh, from a couple from Facebook, Mike Leach, sign him up as quick as possible. P- potentially to kick on next season. Uh, Cecil Boz Boz. Uh, personally, I'd offer up to 25 million in the hope to keep him at the club for at least a decade. He can only improve. Uh, I think that might be a bit optimistic. One uh, on one level, have us having twenty-five million, and on the second level, anybody staying at any club for ten years. Yeah, uh, Jason Wilton at twelve head. Have to see what he does in the remainder of the season before answering that. Hashtag, hashtag fingers crossed. Uh, Matty Vickery again, who's rapidly becoming our biggest fan. Uh, Lukaku from his first five to seven games. Yes, invest in him. Lukaku of late, no. I can see an Atletico Madrid or someone like that taking him. Oh, that's a bit of a shout, that. I don't know. I mean, 
Stuart Tag, he's always uh, puts a nice uh, refreshing spin on things. He doesn't look worth anything like twenty-five millions worth. And I mean, we've well, I, I agree at the moment. Yeah, I mean, agrees. You know, at first he looked like we wouldn't be able to afford him. You know, his first few months at the club, the way he was playing, we thought by the end of the season he's going to be going for something daft like fifty million. Um, but now you're probably looking at a much more realistic price, I would have thought. Um, Everton Gav says, if he has a decent World Cup, I reckon he will go elsewhere. I wouldn't go putting all our eggs into the one basket. Didn't, didn't we, don't we have scouts who are supposed to be searching for new players? Tell them to get the finger out. Pete Richards, uh, he wants to go back to Chelsea. but Does know, he? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and, we've, and we've already talked about Mourinho saying that they've got no strikers. Mourinho seems to have made it abundantly clear that he's probably not in his plans. So, does he want to go back to Chelsea? I don't know. I'm sure Chelsea will probably buy a world-class striker in the summer, I would have thought. Well, they've been linked with Falcao today, although he's injured. But they've still been linked with him. And also uh, Ibrahimovic. Chelsea, not us. <laughs> right, OK. Um Ron Stephen Davenport seems like for us two million is breaking the bank. How to be proved wrong and that money is available, but we have all been waiting. Yeah, uh, there's one there I, I thought I liked, I liked the sound of. Uh, Dan Emerson again. Sorry, no, Mike Doyle, if he pulls his finger out and looks like he's arsed, then maybe get big dunk to have a word. Well, that's an option now, isn't it? It is. Um, Stephen O'Neill, I was under the impression that was the plan this window. Wait to sign a striker in the summer the way Chelsea are at them in. They would have to sign a couple of strikers first, though. Although I get the feeling someone big in Europe would come in offering better money in terms. A few others just saying, like Martin Collins, elsewhere. Graham Wood, no. Jimmy McNally, look elsewhere. Stephen Woods, no. Uh, Michael, see, this, it's quite a, quite a split opinion, really, isn't it? It is, and I think, you know, if we'd have thrown this question out, as we said three months ago, everybody would have said, definitely get him signed up, whatever it takes. But because of his recent form, prior to the injury, you know, people's opinions may have changed slightly. Again, it's probably going to be dependent on price, dependent on what his attitude is, whether he even wants to stay with us. We just don't know, do we? No, not at all. Um Oh, I guess we'll, we'll see won't we? where we finish. I mean, we might not even make Europa, so, you know, would you be willing to play for a lowly mid-table club? I mean, that's him. his attitude at the moment. You know, he wants to be the best, and he, but he's far from it at the moment, and he needs to step back up. And, um, you know, we said we've, we've missed him. We've missed having that focal point for the team and that, you know, that, that point up top. But that still doesn't make... That's not going to be enough to uh, for him. Is it? Um, this wasn't a question for the podcast, but randomly I put out a question tonight about who do you think would be the most boring Everton player to be stuck in a lift with? I was a bit bored at the time, as you can probably tell. Um, and that got more answers than, than pretty much any question we've ever asked, really. Uh, and there were some bizarre answers. Uh, a lot of people seem to go for Gareth Barry or seem to go for... Uh, Ross Barkley, do you thought Ross Barkley would be born? Well, I think it's all his. He, do, he aims more time than, times than us, doesn't he? Aim, 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 and um, yeah. Probably not as many times as I do. Um, Michael Blakely is banned from ever listening to the podcast because he said Billy Letton off, which <laughs> will be the best person to ever get stuck in the left with. 
Uh, I've just seen a funny one then. Oh, no, I was just going to say about Gareth Barry. I think just because he seems quite vanilla, doesn't he? He just seems quite plain and... I don't think he'd be bored. I don't think he'd be... Well, I don't know. Um, Who's some, your choice, though? Come on. Well, somebody mentioned Phil Neville. He doesn't play for us anymore. Yeah, but it can be an ex-Everton player. Uh, and I oh, put yeah. it out there that, you know, strangely, I had once been in the lift with Phil Neville. Have we ever discussed this on the podcast yeah. before? Oh, no, I don't think we discussed it on the podcast, but we have. Um, oh, I, no, we, 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 we have. We, I thought we had, we yeah. Have, yeah. I was in, a, I was in a, a lift with a mate of mine called Phil, one of our mates. And Phil Neville got into the lift. and we, It was in a hotel, and we were going for a swim. And my mate Phil looked at Phil Neville and said, All right, Phil, do you want to come for a swim with us? To which Phil Neville just completely deadpanned it and said, no. <laughs> so, yeah. that was an interesting lift ride. Definitely was. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't know if I, I don't want to pick on any of our players. I'm going to be boring. I'll be the most boring one to stand on a lift with. Right, okay. A few people said, somebody randomly said, Belios, because all he do is stand there and take selfies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you photobomb him though, so we have something to do. I I don't want to be mean here, but Lee Carsley, up until you told me about that and, and watching the, the footy over your shoulder, I thought Lee Carsley might be quite boring. David Weir as well. I can see where you're coming from. Somebody said Edan Tal. He's another one who'd be immense, I think. <laughs> you, you, you could just sing at him, couldn't you? My name is Edan Tal, I come from Israel. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we could, we could go so on that, that's the sort of um, highbrow quality entertainment you will get on our webpage uh, through the week. Uh, questions such as, who do you think will be the most boring Everton player to be stuck in a lift with? Yeah, as always, um, thanks for your, your feedback. We, we couldn't get through to all uh, through all of them again because there was quite, quite a few this week. Um, but keep yours coming in. Try and give you a shout out where we can. Uh, we've got one little bit, just a little bit of uh, plug-in for Paul again, and since since eighteen seventy-eight, uh, putting on travel. It's not packages; it's just travel down to the uh, the Arsenal quarter-final game. We didn't mention that in the news, did we? About the number of tickets we got, we should have read done that as a news story. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, we should have got nine thousand due to FA regulations, uh, due to the fact that Arsenal are a gang of our asses. Uh, they should be called Al Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, they've basically gone crying to the FA and said that Everton fans are persistent standers. Now, I'm sure every away fan at every game around the country stands up. Uh, and also, they've cited the fact that smoke bombs have been used in certain games. Uh, and they've said it's a safety feature. Um, and they've had our allocation cut to 5,000. Funnily enough, they did exactly the same to Liverpool and to Tottenham. I think maybe they might be getting an advantage in FA Cup games due to this, don't you? Possibly, yeah. Of course they are. Still have sing them. Well, we will, but I'm sure 9,000 Evertonians sound twice as loud as 5,000 Evertonians. Yeah. Um, So, uh, Arsenal are clearly cheating. Um, And that's the way it is. So, at the moment, tickets for the Arsenal game are like rock and horse shit. Yeah, difficult to get hold of, but if you do manage to get hold of a ticket... And I haven't got travel sorted. I think Paul, uh, since 1878, has still got some um, some travel spaces available. Uh, and he's doing, it's, it's, it's posh travel as well, isn't it's it? It's posh travel. It's club class coaches. So they include uh, lots of legroom. Uh, some of the seats have tables, etc. Um, there's, a, there's a waitress service on the, on the coach. Very it's posh. Not, it's not Paul in a penny. 
It's not Paul. Oh, don't, don't, that's a horrible thought. It's certainly not. I've got that thought in my head now. It's not Paul and a penny. There's a way to serve it. So drinks and food are going to be served on the coach. Um, and probably the toilet probably won't stink till at least Birmingham. Yeah. It stinks straight away, doesn't it, on most coaches? 37 quid. You can't argue with that. If any ticket uh, packages become available, we will let listeners know and we will throw it out there on the Facebook page. Uh, there's still a chance that there may be some tickets to be had, so we will let people know if we get any, because we are getting a lot of people asking us if we can find any from anywhere. Yeah. Okay, so that wraps up our social media with added bit of news section, and we're going to come back in a sec with our preview of the upcoming West Ham game on Saturday. Be joined by our uh, YouTube listeners. I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. Okay, as I've just said, it's now time for our look ahead at the West Ham game on Saturday, and once again, welcome to our YouTube listeners, stroke viewers. We decided listeners. Listeners. Yeah, we did okay. decide listeners. Uh, and obviously this week's game is uh, Saturday 3 o'clock, which doesn't happen very often. No, be good to get back there at a normal time. Reasonable time, won't it? And it's, we are welcoming uh, the Hammers, West Ham, up to Goodison on Saturday. Uh, quite a memorable game when we played them down at Upton Park this season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think if it's anything like that game, it really did like uh, it, it signalled the arrival of uh, the big man, Lukaku, and he really en- en- uh, endeared himself to Evertonians with that impact he made, didn't he? Like, knocked himself out scoring. Yeah, we're going back to Saturday the 21st of September uh, last year, uh, and the game finished uh, 3-2, and probably, as you say, there was the, the, the Lukaku incident where he knocked himself out scoring the winner, uh, and it was also memorable for two great free kicks from Leighton Baines. That... It didn't all start off rosy, though, did it? That goal from uh, Ravel Morrison, who, funnily enough, has dropped down the league and gone on loan to QPR. He started the season so well, didn't he? And now he's, he's obviously he got let go from Man United because of attitude problems, so he's yeah. obviously upset gravy face as well, hasn't he, to be <laughs> go down. So he'll probably get down and, and upset melted face down at QPR and end up at Charlton or somewhere. Well, Harry uh, seems to be uh, a little bit more able to handle those kind of temperamental players, doesn't he? So I he think he just lets people get away with murder, doesn't Probably, he? Probably, yeah. But do you remember the goal he scored, though, which just went in off Jaggy out his arse? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I remember it very well. Um, but I'd say, I would say my Everton goal of the season so far was scored in this game, which was Bainsey's second free kick. Yeah, uh, they were 1-0 they were up, then we got it back to one all with one free kick, and then they managed to get a penalty... Uh, I think Nolan went down uh, and Noble stepped up and then in the 83rd minute Bainsey you, you were thinking nah he can't get two can he and he put it in, in the opposite corner and it was literally perfect you Peach. know just absolutely right in the corner um, and then so it was two all and you were thinking after after being behind twice well, I mean we, we, we had a few Efforts, few bits of possession, but would you have taken a two-two? I can't remember our re- reflection on this game. Can you? I think when we, I think we were looking like the more, the side who were more likely to win the game at the time, and then upstepped uh, Big Romelu and put his head where it should never have been. Yeah, so he had a little bit of a run with the ball. He laid it off to the wing, and uh, and then it was whipped in, and 
he got his head to it, which he didn't remember. Uh, and put us 3-2 up, ended up getting the winner, was knocked out for about three minutes. Um, yeah. Jubilation. Fans went nuts. We went nuts. Yeah, and then it was that, that was the period where Everton really playing well. And, you know, Everton went from strength to strength from that result, um, you know, getting up into the, you know, touching on the top four for a large part of the season. Um, and West Ham began to struggle, really, and we're, we're flirting with relegation. They've had a little bit of a mini-revival over the last four or five games. And uh, they're up to... Is it 10th in the league, Yano? Yeah, 10th in the league, a whole 14 points behind us, and we're now in 7th. 14 doesn't sound that many, does it, really? I know it is quite a massive gap, like, but... Well, it's only well, three places, 14 points. I know, that's a bit worrying, that, really, isn't it? But anyway... Um, they're coming off actually a, a good result last weekend. They beat uh, Southampton at home, and we know how well Southampton are in playing this season. And, and they did them three one. Yeah, no mean feat at all. Uh, once again, uh, Kevin Nolan scoring, and I was going to put him with fancy footy. Scored twice, didn't he? So he did, yeah. Uh, now we only scored one, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah, he only he scored one. Twice the week yeah, he did, yeah. Um, I think for the long, the, the them struggling coincided, didn't it, with Nolan being out. And since he's come back, he started getting a few goals for them again. Yeah, he spat his dummy out, didn't he? He got a couple of sending offs, and you know he he was the captain, and he spat his dummy a bit. And then since then, he's really reacted well to coming back into the side, and um, yeah, he's, he's really turned, he's turned them, helped turn them around. I hate him. I hate him. I hate the fact that he's a cop out. I hate his smug little face. And most of all, I hate that stupid little chicken dance he does every time he scores. I don't mind him that much, to be honest. Really? Oh, do you know what? I've just got an, in, a dislike for him. I really don't like the man. Um, but yet, as we say, they scored three goals last weekend with West Ham. Um, Jarvis got the first one. I remember Jarvis looking dangerous in the first half against us, didn't he, when we played them in Upton Park? Yeah, he's a tricky player. Uh, Carlton Cole got the second for them. And uh, as we said there, Kevin Nolan got one in the 71st minute. Um, looking at the way they set up, if I press the right button on the iPad, um, basically the again similar formation to ourselves. A lot of clubs seem to be adopting that now. Uh, with a flat back four uh, last week, it was um, Demel, James Collins, James Tompkins, and, and McCarthy uh, with uh, Matty Taylor and Mark Noble in front of them, and then an attacking four of Jarvis, Nolan, Stuart Downing, and Carton Cole. So, you, you look at that, and they're all decent Premiership players, aren't they? Established players, really. There's no one that massively stands out. Uh, I'm not sure whether uh, good old Andy Carroll's going to be fit for this game or not. Well, Have you heard anything on the pipeline? Is he, isn't he suspended? Is he suspended, is he? Pass. Um, well, there you go. I mean, we can deal with Andy Carroll. We, we've played against him a number of times before. Um I'm fairly confident about the game. I said this to you the other day. I said I think the next five, six games are all very winnable. I think we can start a good second half of the season run from Saturday. I think the the only the only stumbling block will be ourselves there. Um, you, our lineup. There's no, going to be no debate this time. There's going to be no Traore, so it's got to be Naismith up top. Well, there is the debate of could Lukaku make a shock return, but I would have thought he, if no he chance. is ready, he'd be back on the bench, won't he? Yeah. I would have thought. Uh, maybe a week too early this game for him. Uh, I, I would like to see him get back and get a bit of game time before the Arsenal FA Cup game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he, he, we, we need we need to have some kind of boost in that area. 
by then if we're going to we're going to be looking to take something from this game and that game. I think Naismith can do the business in this game at home. You know, you, you look at those centre halves for for West Ham. James Tomkins never really impressed me. Collins is fairly solid, but he's not the not the quickest, not the cleverest of defenders. Bit of a brute at the back, so I can't see any reason why uh, Naismith can't get in and do them a little bit of damage. Fullbacks aren't the best, so you know we, we should be looking at Morales, Pina, whoever whoever's playing in those forward uh, those forward midfield positions. We should be hoping. Do you think we'll? Be looking at the same with the same question we ask every single week. That's getting boring now. Are we looking at Morales, Osman, and Pinar to start? Do you think? Or yeah, I can't see him throwing Barkley back in after that performance. Can you? I think he might do just to pick his head back up. It's a, it's a bit of a funny one, that really isn't it? Saying I would bring somebody back in straight after a bit of a poor performance. But if, if he is, if he's if he's fully fit at the minute, I, I would actually start him. I think. Um, maybe I'd, I think I'd like to maybe see McGeady come in for Pina after how bright McGeady looked, and I think I, I think he should really fancy against those fullbacks. What about Delafeu? Any chance of him? No, I think, I think he, d- he didn't look as bright as McGeady. I think he's still he's still a week or so off. But as you say, you know, he, you know, he did well against Arsenal in the uh, in the league game. He, he might he might need an extra half hour or so before. Um, before that, what, has, what has happened over the last couple of days is uh, Everton have recalled both uh, Kennedy and Pennington from Tramier. They, they were on loan and both been doing well playing for Tramier. There is some talk that possibly, in particular, Kennedy might start appearing on the bench. Well, Kennedy was, was brought in with, uh, you know, as, as a bright young talent, but he wasn't just brought in, brought in to boost the numbers, was he? He was like really thought highly of in Scotland, um, and you know, he's, he's a proper winger. And we seem to have a few of them at the moment, and I wonder whether it coincides with Dunk being part of the first team, trying to get first, you know, wingers in and around the club again. It could be the fact that Ferguson said he thinks they're good enough to be in and about the first team, couldn't it? So, so there we go. Um, my man to watch uh, as regards to West Ham this week is unfortunately going to be Kevin Nolan, even though I hate him. He is at the moment uh, in a bit of a, a vein of form. He is scoring goals. Uh, he has. He does have a habit, doesn't he? Of scoring past Everton, he scored a couple past us in the past. So, um, yeah, we. I think if we can nullify him, then there isn't that much of a threat from anywhere in the West Ham team, uh, and I think we should be able to win comfortably. I fancy us for a win, and I'm going to predict a two 0 victory. Yeah, what I said before, I I just hope I hope we we carry on with the battling, but like I said at the Villa game a few weeks ago. If we scrape through with a two-one or a one-nil, we just need to get points back on the board again now because it's it's just looking a little bit like uh, we're kind of feeling sorry for ourselves a little bit down as far as seventh, um, and you wouldn't have seen that, you know. I mean, we I, I kind of half predicted and said United are going to come good, but that's not been the case. We've just kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, and United have leapfrogged us without looking at. Well, outstanding. they're on the same point as us. We have got a game in hand, which is. Against Crystal Palace, I mean Tottenham getting beat was a big. Against Norwich last weekend was, was a bit a of a boost, boost to yeah. us. Um, I keep saying this every time we play at home. At some point, the Goodison crowd have got to step up and also play their part. It's been so quiet recently at home. But it's been been nervous though, hasn't it? It's it has been ever nervous, since, but we need to start getting derby, derby defeat. We need to start getting behind the lads. There's no wonder the Reds go down and there's a bit of belief have been lost because that seems to have happened in the crowd. So, you know, I hope. Goodison's a bit noisier this weekend. It's three o'clock. It's a Saturday. 
everyone should have had a chance to have a pint before the game. So let's get a bit of atmosphere. Hopefully no rain like the last Saturday game. And, uh, yeah. So I say... points back on the board. I'm confident going into the game. And if you look at the fixtures that are coming up in the future, you know, we've got the likes of Swansea, you got the likes of Cardiff at home, Swansea at home, the rearranged Crystal Palace game at home, and then away games of Fulham and Newcastle. So they are all very winnable. Yeah. So we could be we could be eighteen points better off within a few weeks. Possibly. I mean, I would. And I would really, really like to stuff Newcastle after what Pardew said the other day. Did you read that? He's an utter beauty. I think the quote was something along the lines of "Everyone's saying we're having a bad season. We're only five points behind Everton. We're having their best season ever." No, we were having our best season in a long time, up until about four or five weeks ago. I'd say we were Not having anymore. a fairly similar season to probably our last three or four. Yeah. Plus, now. we've won the league umpteen times, so I can't see how it could be our best season ever. Yeah, sure, Pardew. Idiot. Yeah, and well, anyway, that's about us for the for another week. Yeah, hopefully we'll be uh, in high spirits next week, bring, talking about our 2-0 win against West Ham or with five, two, with two Stephen Naismith goals. Yeah. Um, and, and well, maybe a Lukaku, little sneaky maybe a little one. sneaky one off the bench. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, and yeah, it'll all be good news. And we we can tell you about our new ground that's getting built, and we can come up with some better jokes than the OCD joke. I uh, just want to say thanks to uh, Everton FC. Uh, you're in my heart. You're in my soul on Facebook. Uh, the shared our our SoundCloud uh, version of our podcast. So if you're listening on there and you're new to the podcast. Thanks for listening, and you can subscribe on iTunes if you've got an iTunes uh, if you've got a, a Apple device, um, or if you've got it on your PC. Yeah, as we said last week, any of our listeners, um, if you don't already like that page, you're in my heart, you're in my soul, and you go and you you do like ours. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find a link to it somewhere. Just go on and give them a like because uh, the lad who runs it's a really good Evertonian, really good lad, and it's a great page. So we'll leave it there. Hopefully we beat the Hammers. We hammer the Hammers. Hammer the Hammers. And we'll be, as, as Mark said, we'll be in uh, brighter spirits next week.